Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Hey, I forgot to say, it's Dan's birthday tomorrow, so we'll sing him happy birthday at the end of the service or something. Uh, Mobley's good to see you guys. And who else? Nolan's. Uh, man, there's just you guys. Rachel, good to see you. God bless all of you, all of you watching online. Um, you know, I think about uh, the, the Shreves, the Shaleens, Laura Binsberg watching online, my parents, um, they're just watching online. We hope that you're with us someday soon. But would you guys, my, I was talking to my mom yesterday. I was like, we miss so, everybody so much. All we ever see is the back of their heads. Would you turn around, look at that camera and just wave uh, to everybody watching online? Hi, everybody watching online. Um, thanks for doing that. So, um, Turn into your Bibles to the book of Mark. We are going to be talking about, uh, we are answering this question, who is God? This is the big sermon series that's going months and months of our time studying through the word of God. And today, specifically, this sub-series, we're talking about who is the Son. We're talking about who is Jesus. And we're going to say the title of this sermon today is Jesus is a welcoming table host for everyone. Jesus is a welcoming table host for everyone. I'll say it one more time. This is the the theme for today. Jesus is a welcoming table host for everyone. So I'm about to read this story. It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Some of you might be familiar with that story. And before I tell that story and read it, we're going to stand in just a minute, not yet. We'll stand and read the story. I will tell another story of my own life and we'll kind of look at these stories together because this is probably how I would have been, maybe how many of you would have been if you were in this story as a disciple of Jesus. So a couple years ago, actually quite a few years ago, when I was in college, freshman in college, I was for one year at the University of New Mexico. Go Lobos, anybody? <laughs> Lobo? No, okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I was there for one year and um, I worked at Pizza Hut. It was, it was a, like Pizza Hut delivery. I was in the back making the pizzas and I worked long hours. I worked the closing shift, which was till 10 p.m. And then that's when you, if you've ever worked fast food, anybody ever worked fast food? You, you've done your time working fast food. You close the restaurant, but then there's usually like an hour or more of cleaning up and shutting down. So your hope is, as at least mine was, as a young college student that had to go to school the next day at 8 a.m and be in class. Um, The hope was that no one would show up at the very end of the closing time, right? But it always turns out, right, at 9.55 that the phones start ringing off the hook, that people start coming into the restaurant and ordering, hey, they're open, come on in, they're they're still open, we can order pizzas. And it's like, what? Like the table was clean, the oven was polished, the dishes were done, we were about, we're five minutes away from locking the door and all these orders come in, we got to make the orders. We got to reclean. We got to send out the drivers. The drivers have to come back. Then we have to, it's like, oh my gosh, it was just five minutes. Why? With that story in mind, let's read from the word of God. Would you stand with me? Chapter six of the book of Mark, verse 30. So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many were coming at 9.55, as so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. 
And in all seriousness, many of you maybe have spent many days of your life, maybe recently, moms, I think of people going to school and working, working two jobs. Maybe many of you in this room would be like, yeah, it's been a while since I actually sat down and ate or had a day off. And so this is the situation. A lot is going on, not even a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went, they're off. They went by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. They're on their way for for rest, to eat something, to breathe. Verse 33 says, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw the large crowd Praise the Lord for this. Would you read this with me, these five words? He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place. You know, they had gone to a remote place. This is the remote place, they said. And it's very late. So now it's even longer. I would have said it like this. Get these people out of here. But... (laughs) They say, verse 36, send the people away so that we can go, so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Get them out of here so that they can eat and that we could eat. Verse 37, but he answered, you give them something to eat. Now, going back to this Pizza Hut story briefly, I had a great manager that would say, you know, if someone comes in before 10 o'clock, we feed them. They might've been looking forward to this meal. There might be another other restaurants that that were closed. These people are hungry. Let's feed them. Let's serve these people. These people are our customers. Let's serve them. Jesus here says, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wage. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. He directs them. Go and see. When they found out five and two fish, then Jesus directed them. The Greek here is like he ordered them. He gave military orders. Have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. He had given, uh, then he gave to his disciples to distribute to the people. So he's using the disciples to, in this whole thing, having the people sit down, using them to distribute. They get to be involved in this miracle. He also divided the two fish among them. They ate until they were satisfied. The disciples picked up how many? 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000 people. Wow. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Christ, you are in our midst. And Lord, you are the one who is a welcoming table host, a good table host who serves and serves and serves. And Lord, even in the, in the need of, of rest, you went to a solitary place. There was a crowd. You had compassion on them. Thank you, Lord, for having compassion on us. Those who are running after you and trying to find our way in this world, Lord, you are that way. You are the truth. You are the life. And we worship you and praise you. And all God's people shouted, amen. amen. All right. You may be seated. Um, let me give you the title one more time of the sermon. Jesus is a welcoming table host for who? For everyone. Jesus is a welcoming table host for everyone. 
You ever uh, hear about a party that happened and you were not invited? Like, like as a kid, maybe, as an adult, it's even worse. Uh, Manitou Springs Elementary School, some of you have your kids who go there. Uh, they have a rule, like when you go to the parent orientation, they, get, they tell the parents, here's the rule. If your kid has a birthday party and they have little invitations and they start giving them out in class, who do they have to give it to? Everybody in class, because they don't want some poor kid on Monday morning uh, to be the only one without like a Chuck E. Cheese light up headband listening to the stories of like Saturday where Jimmy had a birthday party and everybody got to play and all the games and little Paula, she got stuck in the ball pit and she was smiling and laughing, but the adults had to come over and get her out of the side of the ball pit. And little Jimmy, he got to go on stage and he got to play with the animatronics and you say happy, we say birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday. And it was awesome. Then we went into the parking lot and then there was fireworks in the parking lot. And here, you know, if those, if those details sound oddly specific, that's because that was me. Like, like listening to my friends, fifth grade, talk about a party and I wasn't there. I wasn't invited. And like, like as a kid, I was just like, man, I, I was always kind of shy anyways and kind of like uh, looking on. And I just, man, that was one of those moments in life where maybe you've been there, where you felt brushed aside or you felt looked over. I have some good news for you. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is a welcoming table host for everyone. Everyone is invited into his table, to the table of the Lord. I think about this uh, metaphor of the table. And of course, it is a metaphor. Like the people sitting, uh, 5,000 of them in the grass were their tables. Probably not. They didn't bring foods. They probably didn't bring tables. They're sitting in the grass. It wasn't a table. I think of some of the, the best times I've had uh, in community with people eating, and it hasn't actually been around a table. It's been around a campfire. Anybody say amen to that? Um, I think of like the men's ministry, uh, our M3 Manitou men's ministry. Chris Ayers leads that. Justin's back. There was James. There he is. Uh, some leaders in our men's ministry. We'll have a men's camping trip as we have had uh, every year in the fall. And this year, men write this down, uh, September 9th through the 11th. Actually, women, you write this down and you tell the men later when they forget that the men's camping trip is the 9th through the 11th. Um, But it's this time where some of my favorite moments in the year with New Life Manitou are sitting around the campfire, eating a meal, looking guys in in the face across the campfire and smiling and sharing stories and crying and sharing our hearts with each other and eating eating meals. And this is a sermon about eating together. You're like, what? Like eat? That's it? Like the whole sermon about eating together? Don't we have bigger fish to fry? Figuratively, (laughs) pun intended. No, like this was Jesus' ministry. Let me give you a little bit of an argument here. You know, because we often think about like the things Jesus said, they become red letters in our Bible. I have a red letter Bible. Anybody else have a red letter Bible? They're the best, have Jesus' words in red. And we put so much stock into what Jesus says. Yes, of course we should. But what about what Jesus did and how he did it? And so often we find Jesus eating with people. It's insane how much of Jesus' story, his ministry, was eating with people. Think about it. The very first miracle, here's a little pop quiz for you. Very first miracle of Jesus was? 
Water and wine. Where was he at? He was at a feast, at a wedding, at a banquet, at the reception. There's food. His very first miracle, changing water into wine. The very last thing he does with his disciples before he's arrested in the garden is what? Has a meal with them, shares Passover, takes the bread and the cup and says, this is my body. This is my blood. Do this now in remembrance of me. The last thing he does, the first thing he does in his ministry Meals all throughout. Like he's always going to people's houses. Sometimes people that were like considered sinners and then people looking on are like, man, does he even know who he's eating with? These guys are sinners. Of course he does. He's God. He's eating with people. That was not just part of his ministry. That was his ministry. Think about like Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Wee little man was he. Climbs on top of the sycamore tree. Is that the song? To see Jesus. Jesus comes walking by, sees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. I'm going to go eat at your house tonight. Invite me in. And there he shares this meal at Zacchaeus' house. On the Sabbath day, there's the story of Jesus and his disciples eating a snack. They go into a, a wheat field and they, they, you could kind of get the wheat and break it off and, and rub it in your hands and get the, the sheafs off. And they were eating the grains of wheat. And Pharisees come along and say, you can't do that. This, you can't do that. That's work on the Sabbath. And Jesus, like they have this whole conversation about, well, food is for man, not man for food. The Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. Think about all the times Jesus was eating so much so that people around him thought he was just a glutton. They called him a glutton. Like, here's this guy. He's just going to people's houses and eating everything. Like, who is this guy? He's always eating. Think about his ministry. It ends with uh, his death and his burial. And everyone is, is like so beside themselves that he has died. And then what happens? Well, Easter Sunday in, in a couple of weeks, we will celebrate. He rises. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And what does he do when he meets up with the disciples? He eats with them. Like he's always eating meals with these people. Like that's what he did. Doesn't this say something about who our God is? Like what he did and how he did it. The very last miracle, uh, the very last story in the book of Luke, it's the, the story of the road to Emmaus. So he's, he's risen. He's already died, been in the grave. Three days later, he's risen again. Uh, and then he's walking along with these two people that are believers in Jesus and they don't recognize that it's him. And then they invite him in once again to a meal. He's sitting down, he's eating with them. He takes the bread and he breaks it. And then what happens? Their eyes are open. They're like, it's Jesus. And then he disappears. In the context of that miracle, what's he doing? He's eating with people. One more, the book of John ends with the story of Jesus on the shore of Galilee. What's he doing? He's got a campfire. He's making some food. He sees the disciples. He calls to them. Peter's so excited and besides himself that he sees the risen Lord. He jumps out of the boat. The other disciples bring the boat over. And what do they do? They eat a meal together. It's insane how much of Jesus' ministry was eating with people. All of human history, I'm going to kind of be a little silly here, but, but listen to what I'm saying. All of human history, all of the human experience can be broken down into three meals. The very first meal, uh, Adam and Eve, you know, they were told they could eat of anything, anything, anywhere, eat of it, just not this tree. What do they do? What do we do as humans? We eat from that tree. And then comes the fall and the separation between God and humanity. 
God comes back to this earth fully as Jesus Christ. He sits down. He has a meal with his disciples. He breaks bread. He gives the cup. He says, this is my body. This is my blood shed for you. This is salvation. This is the mystery of salvation. Me giving my life for you. That's the second meal. The third meal is in the end. At the end of time, heaven is often, uh, the metaphor is sitting at a banquet table with the Lord. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Looking back, look at your, your text and the, the, the book of Mark at the end of the story. It says how many people were present and it says 5,000 men were present. Maybe you've heard uh, sermons on this before. I think it was just some sort of uh, a way of counting the crowds back then. Like maybe we count today in families or you can count in, I, I don't know, we would just count the people, honestly. But back then they may have counted in like number of men present, which I guess wouldn't include the women or children. So some scholars and biblical historians would say there could have been 10,000, there could have been 15,000 people on the shore and Jesus saw them after a long day. I mean, imagine being one of the disciples and saying, yeah, Jesus brought us to a solitary place for a day off. And here's 15,000 people waiting for, for Jesus to come to them and to teach them. And Jesus has compassion on them. And he invites the disciples in. If you read the story, you're like, oh, if you were one of the disciples, you were commanded, you were told, well, go see how much bread there is. So the disciples go out and they find the bread and there's only five loaves and two fishes. And then they're directed. Jesus orders them, like, like he orders them the kind of word here that it is a military word for order. Like Jesus says, go make them sit down on the grass in groups of 50 and 100s. And here, this, this like good leadership here sets people up for growth. You know, bad leadership, if you have a bad leader in your life, um, or if you've ever been guilty of being a bad leader, but bad leaders like use people for either their own gain or they use people for, for something else. Like, I, I don't even want to do it, so I'm going to tell someone else to do it. And you, you, like bad leaders use people for, their, for, for the using sake. Good leaders lift people up and set them up to grow. Here, Jesus, it doesn't really say that he's explaining everything and he's just hoping the disciples will trust. Go split the people up, have them sit down. Imagine going out. We don't know, there's 5,000 men. Let's just leave it at that. 5,000, like go out and split these people up. That would have taken me like two weeks to do that. Like have them sit down in groups of 50 and 100 and the disciples go out and do this. And then Jesus looks up, he breaks the bread, he gives thanks. And then he has the disciples go distribute it. Think about that. Like, imagine being a part of this miracle being played out. What incredible leadership. All pointing back to Jesus having compassion upon the people. Jesus is a welcoming table host for everyone. This is the point this morning. Don't miss it. Jesus is a welcoming table host for everyone. So let me give you some practicals here. This um, ministry of Jesus was so often eating together. Um, some of us maybe just need to exercise that muscle. I think over the last couple years, as restaurants closed because of the COVID pandemic and because you know we we, we were told not to gather. Um, and I think some of us maybe stopped doing that altogether, stopped going out to eat, stopped having people over to our homes. And that muscle of having meals and eating together, maybe that muscle has atrophied over time. And maybe what we need to do is start exercising that muscle again. 
Like I can think about times in my life of, of finding community and eating with people and finding true fellowship. I think of um, the college ministry that I used to be a part of. It was called The Mill. Anybody recognize? I see you, Megan. I see you guys. I see those hands. Uh, it was the college, ministry, college and young adults ministry of New Life Church uh, years ago. And now it's a Tuesday night uh, young adults ministry. But back in the day, back in my day, it was Friday nights. And I think about that ministry growing and blowing up. It was an incredible ministry. A hundred Hundreds of people would come, hundreds of people on missions and uh, fall retreats. It was a beautiful time of ministry. And I often stand back and was like, wow, I got to be a part of that. that was incredible that time, that those years in that window. And I think like, what was it about that ministry that just really, it just took off. And I think about, man, we ate together a whole bunch. We would have service together and it was, it was Friday night, seven to nine-ish. And we would end and it was like hundreds of people would go out to eat at different restaurants. One of the restaurants was always Village Inn. It's no longer there on North Academy. And we would sometimes fill up the Village Inn restaurant eating out. We knew all the waitresses. We would tip them well. We would order. We would order food for other people that couldn't afford it because they're starving college students. And we had meals together weekly. And I think, man, that, that was it. Like that was, that was the communion. That was the fellowship. That was it. We had both like the assembling together and the, 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 the worship and the uh, teaching of the word. And then the fellowship was so beautiful. One more story. When I was uh, in Fuller Theological Seminary, I was just there uh, one year in Pasadena. My, my people, the stills, you, that's where you're from. Um, so I just lived there one year and I went to Fuller Theological Seminary and, uh, I, I knew a couple people, but I was kind of lonely as a young, I think I was the early twenties going to, I didn't just showed up to, uh, Pasadena. I heard about a potluck on Wednesday nights and I was like, a potluck, like, like a casseroles you bring, like, what is this, like kids, other fellow students are organizing a potluck on Wednesdays at their dorm. I just thought it was like, really? Like, is it like the grandmas do that and after church? Like, why are we like a potluck? What's a potluck? And that's how I said it, like potluck and like a potluck on Wednesdays. And I was like, well, I guess I'll go. I don't know anybody. And someone's inviting me to something. So I guess I'll go to this potluck. And so I brought my bag of chips because I didn't know you were supposed to make something. And I brought my bag of chips and I was welcomed in. It was okay that I brought a bag of chips. Other people brought a bag of chips too. That was fine. We were welcomed in and we just ate together. We met, we shared, and we prayed over the meal and that was it. And that little gathering on Wednesdays became so beautiful and wonderful. I still, that was almost, it was 18 years ago that I was there just for that one year. And I still keep up to date with some of the friends I met just in that one window of time a year. It's incredible. Like what eating together will do, especially in the community of God, the fellowship, the community. I think of um, the, the two words in Greek that represent when we talk about church, there's two Greek words that are often used. The, um, so I'm going to get into the Greek. This will be your nerd alert for the day. Nerd alert. <laughs> if you're new, just pretend that didn't happen. Um, that was weird. Uh, you're right. It was. Um, Two Greek words that represent, like we say the word church, here's what we mean. Two, the two Greek words are ecclesia and koinonia. Ecclesia is the, anyone know? 
assembling together. Yeah, it's the assembling together, the meeting together formally, the gathering, what we're doing, you know, we just worship the Lord, we read scriptures, we pray together. This is the formal assembling together of people. And the other thing, koinonia, what does that mean? Anybody know that Greek word? Fellowship, yes, the community, or it's the fellowship of the believers, of the saints. It's what we just did you know, before the sermon. We greeted each other. That's important. It's not just a, a time where we look around because I need some time to get up here. No, it's a time where we, we interact with each other. We greet each other after church, before church. I, we try to come early. We try to stay late. Like what happens here at church, outside of church, the meals we share with another, with one another. This is koinonia. And we have to have both. We have to have the meeting together formally, and we have to have the community, the koinonia. And I think there's no better representation of this than in the church when we receive communion together. When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, that's what we do. We, we gather every Sunday. Every Sunday without fail, we receive communion together. And sometimes when I'm leading this moment, Brett, Brett will lead the moment today, but I'm leading this moment up here and looking at all of your faces and I put in my mouth the bread and then the cup and I look around and I often have this thought like, this is it. Like I'm seeing something here that is spiritual. The, the family of God, the saints receiving Christ's body and his blood. And it's like with new eyes, just for a moment, I see the world as it like really is, the saints eating something that the Lord has given them. And here we are, here we are in time, right here, right now, in this moment, receiving from God. I read a, a book this week, uh, Being Christian by Rowan Williams. And he has several different chapters on several different things on what it means to be a Christian, baptism, reading the word of God, prayer, has a whole chapter on communion. It's a, it's a fantastic book. Um, I highly encourage you reading it, especially just the, the chapter, his chapter on the Eucharist, that's what he calls it because he's Anglican high church, so he calls it Eucharist, not communion. Uh, it's just incredibly written well, explaining what it is we do when we receive the Eucharist. And he makes this argument that communion is for everyone. It's not just for some, it's for everyone. They're all that Jesus is this welcoming table host for everyone. And so we at New Life Manager, if you're, if you're new here, we, we have an open table because it's Jesus' table. And he invites everyone who believes to come into his place and into his table and receive from him what it is he's giving us. This, this book, it says this, the Eucharist is not, in Christian practice, a reward for good behavior. So when we receive communion at Jesus' table, we're not like, yeah, we've been good this week. Yeah, high five. No, 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 no. It's the food we need to prevent ourselves from starving. It's, the food, it's not a reward for good behavior. It's the food we need to prevent ourselves from starving as a result of our own sin, self-enclosure, self-absorption, our pride, our forgetfulness. He says, many in Christianity think that communion is only for those who have made the proper preparations, but it is, like everything about Jesus, a free gift. We take Holy Communion, not because we are doing well, but because we are doing badly. We take, we take Holy Communion, not because we have arrived, but because we are traveling. We take Holy Communion, not because we are right, but because we, but because we are often confused and wrong. We take Holy Communion, not because we are divine, but because we are human. We take Holy Communion, not because we are full, but because we are 
hungry. Would you stand with me? Would you pray with me? The, the band, you can come forward. Brett's gonna lead us to the table in just a moment. But this word Eucharist, it means thanksgiving. And that's what we do when we come to the table every week. We give thanks to the Lord that he is welcoming us to his table. And so would you, where you're at, take a moment and, and pause and pray with me. Lord, we thank you that this table is open. We thank you that you welcome us to your table. You welcome everyone. And many of us think that. We, we all think, oh yeah, God, Jesus, he welcomes everyone. But Lord, would you turn that to each one of us individually that we might pray, God, you welcome me to your table with arms open, with a table prepared. You, Lord, give of yourself the bread, your body broken for us, your cup, it's your blood shed for us. So we take a moment and we just remain silent and here before you, reflecting on this image of, of you standing at a table inviting us. And Lord, we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.